back to another episode of Shit Shower Shave. First, before we jump in, I will add a plug. So some of you that follow me on social medias, plural, have seen the information about the first annual Shit Shower Shave Mother's Day retreat that will be at the Sunscape Dominican Beach Resort in sunny Dominican Republic. Uh, All the information is on the website, shitshowershave.com, S-H-Y-T, showershave.com, or you can email me at info at shitshowershave.com. And with that, I will jump into this week's guest, which is, do you want to be called Mom Latricia or are you just Latricia? Just Latricia, (laughs) but I am a mom. (laughs) So Latricia is a very successful mother um this is the one that you all have heard me refer to as our daughters about a month apart which is also the story that i will use to intro this podcast so latricia called me oh my god i'm pregnant Ah, ah, oh my god i'm pregnant and i was excited for her but understood her cautious thinking i will say i will call it that i got knocked up um, at 35, basically, I, I and I kept thinking, who gets knocked up at 35? Like, that's not the plan. So I was feeling like a teenager, but I was also an advanced maternal age. <laughs> did they say geriatric? Did they call you geriatric pregnancy? They called me another name, Prima something, something, something. And I was like, what is this? It sounds like I have a disease. And then the doctor, my doctor, Dr. Ng, was like, oh, it just means advanced maternal age. And I was like, oh, great. (laughs) So we had this wonderful, like, life that was coming into the world. And Latricia every day was like, oh, 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 my gosh. And then about four weeks later, I pick up my phone in the, I think it was the morning because I remember driving somewhere and I call Latricia on the phone and I'm like, I'm so sorry. I feel bad for telling you this, but you were like the only person I felt comfortable telling because I told her about all my pregnancies before anybody else knew except my husband. And I was like, I'm pregnant, but I feel bad for telling you because you're pregnant too. And I feel like I'm still in ruining your joy. And she was like, no. And her husband or now husband was like, I mean, at least you got somebody to do this shit with. Pretty much. (laughs) He was like, well, I mean, y'all are friends. I guess, did y'all do a pack or something? (laughs) I was like, That was not the case, by the way, because I was as shocked as she was. And I was like, this is some bullshit because I was not planning on being pregnant. But if you have sex, that could happen. So I've been told now. So I've been told. (laughs) So we went through my second, her first pregnancy somewhat together. And it was, I would say it was an enjoyable experience and journey. Like we compared notes and girl, do you feel this? And all kind of other things, but I will ask you how you feel that journey was. Do you feel like it was easier for you to have somebody who's going through the same thing at the same time with you or was it, did it make it easier at all? Um, I think it made it easier, but I don't know if it was because we were pregnant at the same time versus I had a few friends that had kids already mm-hmm. and Preston wasn't that old. So whether you were pregnant with me at the same time or not, the fact that you had just had a baby for Correct. the most part, you had just gone through it. So um, overall, yes, it was easier, but I don't know if I would say it was easier just because we were pregnant or if it was just easier because you had just gone through mm-hmm. it anyway. And plus, I had a very easy pregnancy on a um, physical 
standpoint. <laughs> but mentally, I was a little messed up for a couple of uh, months, pretty much the first trimester, maybe into the second. So um, I was more leaning on my friends, I feel like, in the beginning for, like, mental stability and to mm. not, like, crack. And then um, once that calmed down, it helped in the sense of, like, it was weird to me how I'm an only child, but I grew up with my mom. And it identified that we never had conversations about that stuff. Like, we never, like, she told me how you get pregnant. She told me how I, you push a baby out. But we never talked about her pregnancy. We never mm -hmm. talked about, you know, what she felt, what, what it was like, any of those things. So I went into it thinking I was very knowledgeable and I realized how unknowledgeable I was about the process of it. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was quite interesting. And do you mind sharing some of your uh, anxieties that you had during your first trimester? Cause I mean, everybody has different ones. Like I had anxiety. So I like literally read every book and during the process I was like, Trisha do all these things. And she was like, no girl. But like, what were your anxieties going into the situation? Cause you mentioned that it was unplanned and you know, you weren't, necessarily quote-unquote ready um my main thing was the unplannedness like I was with the father of my child for a while already but we weren't married and I had this idea because I waited so long what it would look like if I were to have a child mm -hmm. and so um everything that I that it looked like didn't look like it when I got knocked up pretty much <laughs> like we were almost on the outs like I was gonna take a break from him um, I mean, my child was conceived in Atlantic City. I lost all my money, got drunk, <laughs> and then came home with a baby. But it was just not what I thought. And part of the reason I was going to take a break from him is because I'm like, we've been doing this for all this time. We're no closer to getting married. You know, there were other, he started a business, which was awesome for him. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, I'm playing house. I'm not somebody's wife. I'm about to be 35. Like, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. Like, I love him, but I'm also not about to sit here and support you. Then on top of that, I was pregnant. And we didn't even live together because mm -hmm. I was anti-living together with him pre-marriage. So let alone now I'm knocked up. So it was a <laughs> lot of those things. And then people kept telling me not to stress because it's putting it on the baby. So then I'm like, oh, my God, I'm stressed. Oh, my God, don't stress. Oh, my God, why am I stressing? Oh, my God, my baby's going to be banged up. <laughs> that cycle. So it was just... Um, like I tease now, you would have thought that I was 15 and he was 17 versus 35 and 37 having this kid. Um, so that was mostly my anxiety. Mm -hmm. I don't think I gave myself enough time. And it, it's almost a gift and a curse. Like in hindsight, I feel very blessed the way the process happened. I have a lot of friends that are having a hard time getting pregnant. And I got knocked up. So I've never experienced that. Mm -hmm. I've never gone through you know, the phase of now I want to be pregnant. Oh, my gosh, what if I can't get pregnant? Mm -hmm. And because my head was so screwy, I didn't go through the phase of, oh, my God, I got to get through my first 12 weeks. Right. Like, by the time I started to breathe and be like, okay, girl, you're pregnant, I was into my second trimester. So I didn't go through this week by week count of, oh, geez, don't let anything happen. Because as soon as I was pregnant, they start putting labels on me and I'm old and all these right. other things. So that can really mess somebody up. But mm -hmm. it, I was already messed up. So it <laughs> I was just like, it doesn't matter what y'all are saying. I'm already it's here like myself. I'm already on drugs. So 
now you want to tell me more drugs. Well, I'm already a crackhead. Like, that was kind of how my mentality Not literally was. a crackhead. Not but. literally. Don't do drugs while pregnant. But I'm just saying, like, it's that type of thing. Like, so, you know, I was just a little twisted. Understood. Like, I believe that when I got pregnant with Penelope, like, my husband will always say that he had planned that. He will tell everybody right now. That was the plan. My husband would say he planned it with Ian. And I'm like, really, sucker? Really? Right. So I was like, no, I wasn't planning on having a baby. I was the person who the doctor tells, wait 18 to 24 months. And I was the person in there at seven months with the same doctor who told me that. And I was like, ah, my bad. Um, But, like, I remember being stressed about things, but in a different way. I was more stressed like, how I raised two small kids. And I had, luckily I have friends, mom, April, who y'all have heard talk, who had kids that were close together. So it wasn't hard, mm-hmm. but in hindsight now, was it hard? Yes. The shit is still hard. Like I have two kids that are 15 months apart and some days they're great. And some days they're assholes. Like I'd be like, can y'all just sit down and shut up? Like, I don't want to deal with y'all. And like I've mentioned before, like my kids respond the way that I respond to them. Like one day Preston was like, mommy, why can't I sit next to you? And it's cause like, I don't want you to sit next to me. Um, so it's interesting sure. how, <laughs> how those things play out. Um, what else is I going to ask you? So as you, your anxiety waned, like, and l- when I tell y'all literature had the easiest pregnancy I've ever, 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 ever heard of. Um, but at the end of the day, was it what you expected or thought it would be like? Pregnancy or the the baby part, like getting the baby out part? Both. Um, gosh, it's a blur because I was really banged up in the beginning. Um, <laughs> I, I always say that God knows what you can handle. So since my mentality was so banged up, he didn't give me nothing else. To deal with. So I never had a morning sickness. I didn't swell up. I didn't, you know, the ankle thing. People had acne. Mm-hmm. I ate what I wanted. I didn't have heartburn. I didn't, I, people couldn't sleep. I slept like a baby. Like I didn't yeah. have any of these major like physical things. And that's part of probably the reason why my child will probably be an only child too. Cause I'm very scared of the concept of, that may only be one time. Like you only, <laughs> you you see the shooting star hit the asteroid at the perfect time of the eclipse once. Like you don't right. keep having that. So I'm really, really nervous about that. So um, it was very easy. I mean, my child came a week late. The week I was due, I was still on the train. I live in New York. I was still on the subway going to work. And Stephen mm-hmm. was like, maybe you should stop. Like I never <laughs> even, like the pre, what are they, the, um, pre-contractions i didn't have oh, that Braxton Hicks, yeah like i didn't experience any of that like i was really at home at 40 weeks like i don't know if this baby's gonna come out like i <laughs> everything i read in the books that was supposed to be happening nothing was happening like mm-hmm. nothing she was chilling and then in regards to birth i was very adamant about never seeing <laughs> a birth video or any type of birth i didn't want to discuss it like i'm very much anti-human nature which just sounds horrible i'm just probably a horrible guest but <laughs> i am very much anti-human nature um it grosses me out 
just a lot of shit grosses me out, still grosses me out. People told me I was going to grow out of it. I haven't. I'm damn near 40 now, still haven't grown out of it. I don't think it's going to happen. So I was very adamant of this baby is inside of me and she has to come out because there's no other alternative. So I don't want any preconceived notion or I'm not open to my legs. Like I can't do it. <laughs> so I we did a pre-class, like the birthing class. Soon as they were going to the video, we excused ourselves and left. Mm-hmm. When my doctor was trying to talk about what to expect, I was like, I don't want to know nothing. Surprise me. Like, surprise me, girl. I need everything to happen when it's happening because I just don't. I don't want to deal. Jennifer would try to be like this, that, and the other. I don't want to hear it. You All are the time. That's a beautiful thing for you. You can be a <laughs> unicorn and rainbow mama. I'm not that mother. <laughs> you know, I'm just praying that she gets out safe. Hopefully, I won't even be there. Like, that was kind of my mentality. Like, <laughs> so when we got to the hospital, I ended up being semi-induced because I went to the doctor and was like, I have done my bid. It's time for her to come out. Like, I don't even understand why all these people on my little, you know, app is having these babies early and my due date has come and gone and I'm over here getting fisted and I'm still not dilated. Like, I don't understand what's happening. I'm so sorry. Oh my God. No, this is, this is what people need to know. This is the point of shit shower shave to talk about all the things that, that people don't tell you. Like, literally. And my my husband is the same. We're the worst. Like, we're the same way. I always say we were the worst people in the hospital ever. And people laugh all the time on my birthing story. But I'm like, this is dead serious. So I told my doctor, like, look, I'm not here for this no more. Like, I I should be on parole. Like, what the hell? <laughs> and And luckily, I will tell anybody this. However you are, make sure you find somebody that fits who you are. Like yep. Dr. Ng, it with all my craziness. I mean, I came in there like this damn baby is a parasite. She was like, it is. Like there was no judgment in her. And that helped me because mm-hmm. I had times where I was judging myself because I read these books and all these moms are unicorn, rainbow, and care bears. And I was like, I'm not feeling this. And I'm waiting for this magical thing to happen and fairy dust to come. And I start getting all these like you know, I start wanting to crochet and that never happened. And so I love that she let me be that person. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, like I went to the hospital and they hooked me up and basically I was having contractions again to this miraculous like pregnancy. I was having contractions and didn't feel them, like didn't know. Right. So when they were like, wait a minute, how long have you been having contractions? I was like, what do you mean? And they show me this machine and it's all these little squiggly lines. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, I don't feel anything. And so they didn't want to just give me Pitocin at that point because they're like, your body is in labor. You're just not feeling anything. And my daughter didn't drop. She never dropped. So that was another thing, how people say how uncomfortable it is when they Mm -hmm. get down into your pelvis. She was chilling too. Like, she was like, girl, I'm not trying to come (laughs) out there. Obviously, had you all effed up and stressed. I'm good. Like, she was not trying to come out. So we had a, I went in the hospital Tuesday. She wasn't born a Thursday. Mm -hmm. And most of that was this. Chilling, cause I was like, I want these good drugs. I went to Lenox Hill Hospital, cause Blue Ivy was born there. Like I didn't know nothing else. I'm like, if it's good enough for B, it's good enough for me. That was like, <laughs> it's so horrible. But this is how I picked how my child was gonna be entered into life. Like, right. I mean, but that is a really big decision. Like I think people don't think about that sometimes. Like the place you choose to birth your child, whether it's because you want a water birth, whether it's you want a team of doctors who you're going to know, whether you want a hospital who's going to let you 
Like with both kids, I was like, I wanted delay cord cutting. I wanted this. I wanted that. I want skin to skin. When they come out, I want to like, I was very adamant about those things. And I'm glad that I chose a place, but I don't think people understand like all of those things are choices and decisions. So I'm glad that you said like you, A, you're like, okay, if it was good enough, Beyonce was good for me. But your doctor also was a really big part of that. Yes. And how you, where they practice, what that hospital is going to do. Because New York has like the number one highest, the, they have the number one C-section rate, correct? Um, I don't know, but I could understand why. Because it, I mean, it is a factory. Like, New yeah. York has so many people. So, by default, private rooms don't exist. We had to pay $760 to get a private room up front. Mm-hmm. And we were still on a waiting list for a private room. And the damn pullout couch was broke. And it was still seven sixty five because they was like, if you don't pay for this broken pullout couch, right. somebody else will. Like, it is insane. So, um, you, I don't, no one told me that part. But it worked out for that. Like, you definitely want somebody that understands you and accepts you and allows you to be you. Because mm-hmm. Jennifer and I are great friends, but we are so opposite on <laughs> all of these things. Like, I don't know shit about a court. I never saw a placenta. I ain't do nothing. <laughs> like, I, I gave birth to a child. I pushed her out of my vag, and I never saw blood. Like, I don't know. To this day, I don't know how if I how many stitches, if stitches, rips, not rips. I don't know. And I did not want to know. And I was very clear. Like, just get her out. And if I could not be here, that would be great. Like, <laughs> if I could leave and come back, that would be awesome. The funniest thing Latricia ever said was, don't slap no what? No don't dirty put no dirty. nasty baby on me. And, again, judgment. <laughs> I, I feel y'all judging me now. But I'm. Nobody's judging I'm you. very secure in myself now. But this is almost two years later. But, um. No, like I was like, I'm not that person. I want drugs. Where are my drugs? They were tripping on these drugs. Because one thing about New York, too, there is a lot of beautiful Jennifer moms that are (laughs) Care Bears and unicorns and granola. And I want to feel the process. And I'm a woman. And this is what womanhood is about. Mm -mm, I'm not that woman. So I came in before I felt a contraction, like, where's the drugs? And they were like, no, ma'am, that's not how it works. (laughs) And I was like, but can we keep them on the side? Like, can we keep them close? They're like, that's not how it works. So once I finally got to the point that I was like, wait a minute, I feel something. Look at the little machine. Is this a contraction? Like something's happening right, right. now. It was a wait list. And I was like, no, 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 no. Because all these mamas <laughs> said they didn't want drugs. I came in here like I should be on the VIP list. Like, what do you mean I'm waiting? Like, I don't understand. I was so confused and so upset. And my husband was like, who was not my husband at the time, again, source of issues. But he was like, shh, they can hear you. I was like, I don't give a damn who hears me. Somebody better get me this the velvet rope treatment and get me some drugs. <laughs> and then they brought me in these pills. And by the time they brought the pills, because I was in labor and did not know, it went from zero to hero kind of quick. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Satan is in this room. And somebody better give me something. And then I told my husband, you got to go to Harlem and get me some heroin or something. <laughs> like, if they're not going to give me this epidural, you're going to go get me some heroin. Because somebody Somebody's going to get me out of this. And I'll never forget um, the nurse was Ruth. My first nurse was Ruth. My last nurse was Jennifer, which I think both of them, and it's just all symbolic. But Ruth 
was very much an older lady and what I needed through that process. She was trying mm -hmm. to tell me to breathe and stuff. I kept telling Ruth, I'm not this woman. Like, I'm not that <laughs> woman. She told me to visualize a beautiful place. I was like, I can't visualize nothing. But here, like, I'm not her. I'm very secure. This is one thing about being advanced maternal age that helped. I am secure in who I am not. Correct. And I am not her. Like, I can't do it. I couldn't even cry. Like, to this day, I tell people, I couldn't even cry. Like, there's a pain. That yeah. it was like, there wait is. a minute. Like, I was like, I, I kept telling my husband, like, I can't even cry. Like, this shit is stupid. That's yeah. all I kept saying. This is stupid. And she was like, women have been doing this since the beginning of time. And I was like, nobody talks about the ones that drop dead in the woods. I'm her. I am her. <laughs> if this was 1818, I would have dropped dead. That's why it's 2016. Because the Lord knew that I needed the technology in this good drip. <laughs> like, I'm not her. I remember my husband was like, do you want me to hold your hand? I'm like, for what? My hand does not hurt. Like, what is happening? <laughs> like what and they kept saying breathe I was like I'm breathing because I'm talking like no like none of this right. works so then the epidural lady came in and we was good it was clean it was coaxing after that actually I lost my damn mind again and forgot the whole process of birthing my water broke I didn't tell nobody I was like chilling I snuck some food then I threw up and I hid the throw up up cup because I was like I don't know if I'm supposed to throw up and then they gonna know I ate I can't deal like I was like <laughs> And they're tripping. The lady came in like, you're wet. I'm like, oh. She's like, did your water break? I'm like, I think so. She's like, when? I'm like, about two hours ago. <laughs> but in my head, I'm like, I got this good epidural and a catheter. Like, I can't be peeing on myself. So I right. must be hallucinating. I'm like, this is really the good BIP treatment. Right. And I don't feel anything. Yeah. But it, I, it was, a, again, guys, don't listen to me. Don't be crazy like me. But um, <laughs> I actually ended up overdrugged. Which I found out later could have been detrimental, but I knew Jesus had us. And mm -hmm. I didn't want to tell anybody because I didn't want them to get rid of my drugs. Because once you feel the hand of Satan, you don't you don't ever want to feel that again. <laughs> ever. And so why are you laughing? Because it's I mean, I know what you're saying. Like it is it is for me it was not the worst pain. Like if I if I think of the worst pain I could ever feel, it wasn't that for me, but it's not the same for everybody. So it's just I funny. won't even say I felt the worst pain that I ever felt. I don't. But I also knew if we keep going with this. Right. Like, I don't need to keep going with this. Like, right. I, I'm clear about this. I don't I don't want to feel this. Mm -hmm. I can still be a mother and not. And not feel this. I agree. Like, everybody's was, journey is different. Like, I did. my thing. I did no drugs, but I, like I said to you, I was like, it's everybody's choice. Like, I went in with Preston being like, I want to try it, but if I can't. I wanted to be here and I just made it without and I was like, oh, okay. Well, I was just very much like, if she's a little bit high, it's okay, girl. It's America. You will be <laughs> fine. Like, everybody's a little high. Like, it's fine. Mm -hmm. And I, my epidural ran out. So, the, the pain that I was feeling in the beginning that I was like, what is this? And give me some drugs. It was just horrible cramps. Like I said, I wasn't even in point of crying. It was just super uncomfortable. And I was like, I can't even deal. Like, somebody do something. I got my epidural, went to sleep, and while I was sleeping, Satan himself came from hell and wrapped his arms around my back to the front of me and just put spears into me. And I jumped up. I scared my husband. He was asleep. He jumped up, and I was like, something is happening that ain't right, and you better get me somebody right now, just as calm as I said it. And he knew that it was serious because right. I couldn't, like, I... It was the devil. 
And they came in, told me my epidural had run out, was like, didn't you hear the beat? But at this point, again, I was... You were asleep, yeah. And I was like, I forgot the whole process. Once I didn't feel right. anything, no more, I was good. So they literally gave me the the a new pack. But the guy asked me, he's like, if you're in that much pain, do you want me to put a little in your IV? Because the pack might take a while. Well, I could feel the pack working, but I said yes. Mm -hmm. So when he put it in my IV, I went paralyzed. Like... Uh, epidural is supposed to make you numb, but I could still move my legs. I went completely paralyzed. Like in the movie when they say you never go full retarded, like I went full <laughs> paralyzed. And I was like, I'm not telling nobody because they're going to take away my pack right. and I'm going to go back to Satan. So I would rather never walk again than to go back to Satan. Right. That was a little bit of a problem in delivery. But we worked together as a team. <laughs> And so they kept telling me, push when you feel pressure. And I kept telling me, tell me when I'm supposed to put, feel pressure. Like, I was like, look, let's work together, girl. And they're like, wait, you don't feel it? Push. And I'm like, uh, yeah. And then I was pushing, and I didn't know if I was pushing. I was in my head, like, am I pushing or am I just quitting my face? Like, I don't know. <laughs> and then my husband dropped my leg, and it just fell like a dead log. The, the thud sound was so loud. He's like, I thought you had it. I'm like, I'm supposed to have my leg and push, and I'm paralyzed, but nobody knows. So I can't, like, I remember they asked me, because my daughter never dropped, and they asked me to put this damn ball between my legs, and I was thinking, Jesus, how am I going to do this? Because I can't right. move my legs, like, and I'm not going to tell them. Mm -hmm. So I kept saying, I don't think I need it. It was because I was paralyzed. <laughs> and I was like, I refuse to tell these people. So I never felt pressure. Mm -hmm. I never, my child came out in six minutes flat. I pushed four times. She Praise shot out. Lord Jesus for you. Like she shot out, like literally shot out. Um, on the second push, that's when he dropped my leg because her whole head was out. Mm -hmm. and, oh, he was looking. <laughs> well, he wasn't trying to look, but my husband is six, four and a half. I'm five, two. Mm -hmm. So once you push my legs back, it ain't really right. nowhere to go. So he literally was not, I told him he had to be nose up, not chin up, nose up. But even at nose up, next thing you know, he says, holy shit, drops my leg. I'm like, what? <laughs> and then I'm screaming, grab my leg. And they tell me to stop pushing because they wanted to clear her because yeah. she was late. And mm -hmm. then, and they also prepared me to say that I would be pushing for a while because she never dropped. Mm -hmm. But she came out and for pushes. And then I told them again, like I said, I was very direct. Don't put a nasty baby on me. I have a lifetime to get to know her. She can bond with me when she's hosed down. Like, don't do it. And so they didn't. So my mm -hmm. husband was the first one to see her. But I heard her crying. So I was right. like, we good. I closed my eyes, laid back. I don't know what else happened. <laughs> I don't know. I, I never saw a cord. I never saw... I, I don't know what else happened. Mm -hmm. I saw, I lie. I said I never saw blood. There was a little bit of blood on the floor mm -hmm. when I looked up. And I was like, what is that? <laughs> Steven, my husband says it was a massacre. I mean, it's childbirth. So, he yeah. said it was a massacre. He was like, Jason had nothing on what was going on with you. <laughs> but for me. You never saw it. And that's, and everybody, that's what I like. There are a lot of things that people are like every, oh, childbirth. No, childbirth is not the same for everybody. Like there are people who will push for 30 hours and still have to get a C-section. There are people who have no pain and want all the drugs. There are people like me who won. I pushed 19 hours 
or no, let me let me correct that. I was in labor for 19 hours and had him at hour 19. Or Penelope, like, I walked into hospital at five centimeters, like, oh, who knew I had dilated that far? Walking around. Like, everybody's experience is different. Um, but I want to back up, like, preparing f- to have a child. I think there we've discussed there are a lot of things that people don't tell you. Mm-hmm. So, like, I always try to tell people, Check your maternity leave policy for your job. Check your short-term policy if you have one. Check your insurance because that's the, like, thing that people never do. And being in New York, which I don't think is the most employee-friendly state. No. Um, how is that, like, how is the preparation from that standpoint? And, like, taking off and how do you transition back in and, like... There was no preparation because they didn't give me nothing. So mm-hmm. it was just basically, like, you get nothing. Right. So, deal. Um, <laughs> New York, now that we have de Blasio, he's put in place, similar to Cali, similar to Cali where you have um, uh, paid maternity now because mm-hmm. they make you take money out of your check for right. a short term. I had my own supplemental short-term disability, but I didn't know my company did nothing. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, they kept my job for 12 weeks, but then they ended up, I ended up coming back a week early. I remember that. So, um, it wasn't a preparation for me because I literally was like, hey, what's our maternity leave? And they were like, girl, enjoy. (laughs) And that was it. And I was like, oh, okay. And then it was weird because my company was based at the time out of Canada, so they were like, it sucks because the Canadian employees get six to eight months minimum. They can take up to a year, but mm-hmm. you're in the States, you get nothing. Yeah. And so, I mean, not to get political, but it's just effed up. Like then I started to look like we were the only progressive country that didn't have any form mm-hmm. of medical leave. Like it was just insane. And I never paid much attention to it before because I didn't right. it didn't affect me. But I didn't have any preparation because I guess I had low expectations already. Mm-hmm. But if you have any expectations, any, right. you definitely want to prepare because you might get your feelings hurt. Mm-hmm. Unless you're in New Jersey, California. Um, I think maybe Connecticut. I was going to say Connecticut. And now supposedly New York. Mm-hmm. But I was damn near ready to move to <laughs> Jersey because I'm like, this is insane. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, and the other thing is like... What was I going to say? The hospital part. Like, I remember being pissed off, like, angry as hell when I got that Penelope bill and they charged me for 10 minutes in a day. I was like, bitch, I, was in, I wasn't even in the room yet. They, Y'all's computers were down. So I didn't get seen by nobody until after 12 o'clock, but they charged me for a full day. And I don't think that's the other thing you don't think about. You're like, oh, I have insurance. They automatically. Do. No, they don't. Like, I was like, this is some bullshit. And you told me that. And I still got bamboozled because I just wanted her out. But literally, we got to the hospital on Tuesday. They told me to be there at 6. Then we got there at 6, and they said, we gave you a room away because you were supposed to be here at 4. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, I was told 6. Right. So then we sat in the lobby waiting for a room. They let put us in the room at 11.55 p.m. Lies. 11.55 p.m. I signed the document and timed it at 11.57 p.m. They charged me an entire day. For three minutes. For that day. Mm-hmm. And I was like, if I was thinking, I would have been like, I'm not signing it to 12 on 1. Mm-hmm. But they miraculously found a room for us. 
right before. At 11 It's like jail. They want to keep you there for the time they can get paid. And for. I mean, I paid a lot of money for that, that to three give minutes. Birth. <laughs> Just a lot of money to give birth in mm-hmm. general. Um, Which is why I don't understand. Like, I don't understand how people who are not. Um, I'm trying to think of the best way to say this. Like, people who. Are not financially. Are not financially secure. Have kids. I'm like, babies are not free. Because they have supplemental stuff. This is why supposedly our health insurance is so high. This is why Republicans think the way they do. Because the concept is they make the rich pay for the poor. But in in reality, if we had universal health care, it would all balance out. Mm -hmm. The con... The... You have so many people with no insurance that always go to the emergency room. Mm-hmm. Hence right. why, That's why the costs are so high. If everyone had health insurance and can get right. proper preventative health care, you would have less of those issues. But again, this is not to be political. <laughs> but at the end of the day, that's why. Yeah. If I had 13 children on welfare, you're not going to not have my kids. Correct. Your kid is still going to be born somewhere. Exactly. That's inhumane and it's illegal. (laughs) So they're not going to not have their kid, but then they're going to charge me over here with my one $20,000. Oh, geez. I remember that bill. I remember that bill. It was like the worst bill ever. At home. With the first, I didn't go back for six months. Similarly, not by choice. Um, but even when I was out, it's interesting. I'm having conversations with somebody else paralleling um, moving in with somebody and they don't necessarily have a job. But I remember that first break and me being like, I prepared for three months of no money. I did not prepare for six months of no money. And then really, because I'm, I'm, I'm super independent. I don't need nobody. Months? Yeah, it was six wow. months. Um Preston went back to daycare because Deshae was very adamantly like, nah, you're not about to sit at home and think this is going to be your life forever. And not that it couldn't be, but he was like, no, you need to be used to him not being here. So it was also an extra added cost of daycare. But in my mind, that was the first time I really had to break down. And break down is not the best word, but that was the first time I really had to be like, I really have to share my finances with my husband. Like, my bills, my car note, my cell phone. Because at that point, we still had separate, like, bills. Um, See, I don't know that life. And it was like, I didn't, like, I wasn't expected to pay, like, rent or electric. Like, I wasn't expected to pay any of those bills. But, like, I had personal bills. I had student loans. I had car notes. I had, you know, credit card bills. And that was the first time I had to verbally be like, so, my car note is 450 we need to pay this or my car insurance is this. So that was really when we combined all of like our car insurance and our cell phone bills and all that stuff, which was uncomfortable for me at the time. Cause I was like, well, you guys got married and had a kid quickly. Correct. Yes. So you didn't have time to develop as parents or develop as a married couple before Correct. you had to do both at the same time. Yes. So that is understandable about being uncomfortable because that's uncomfortable without those factors right. at the same time. Like, and now it's great. Like we have no issues now. Like it's funny to will always say the one thing that I wanted to do when I had a wife was to give her all my money. And as long as I go swipe my card, as long as it worked, there's no issues. And so that's literally been, I mean, there's never any issues in general, but that's how we manage everything now. But I remember that uncomfortability of being like, I'm so used to fending and taking care of myself from a money standpoint that it was hard for me to transition into, 
wait, I ain't prepared for these extra three months. I prepared for these first three months, but I didn't prepare for these second three months. And then once I transitioned back into work, it was stressful because you're like trying to breastfeed and you're trying to nurse and you're trying to do all that. So that I give kudos to you because you literally, I'll let Latrice tell her own story, but you did not actually physically nurse. So how did you accomplish that goal? Wait, you're giving credit to that though? I'm surprised. Yes. I, um, I mean, because I think I'll, I'll say why after you say what you did. Well, as I stated earlier, I am not really good with natural things like just human nature. I think from a distance, it's beautiful, just not up close. So um, just like I didn't want a dirty baby on me, I did not want you to force a baby onto my nipples. Like that was a bit much. I mean, I was in the hospital. I kept a bra on. <laughs> intentionally under my um gown because I was like y'all are not gonna force this baby on me and I remember telling the nurse Jennifer like this is bullying do not throw this baby on my boobs like stop like it was not comfortable for me I remember they did it it hurt I did not feel any more closer to my child than I felt 10 minutes before and I was like I'm not that person like I'm again I'm right. not that person so I had enough peer pressure and after school specials to know <laughs> that breast milk was the best for my kid and even though I'm not that person I want the best for my kid but I also knew that we had to find a happy medium I'm all about solutions and that wasn't a solution for me because it was just never my thing like that was worse that was the only time I cried is them trying to make me breastfeed mm -hmm. like I that was horrible to me right and Again, I, some people feel that it's just beautiful, and it is beautiful if that's what you want. But I don't want to see nobody. I'm kind of a dude in that sense. Like, I don't want to see you breastfeed. I don't want to see myself breastfeed. I, don't want <laughs> I didn't want her daddy on my boobs before she got here, so I didn't want her on my boobs either. <laughs> like, that's just kind of, right. you glaze over that. You're not going to have a whole meal. Like, I couldn't deal. So I pumped. And how God does, again, because he knew he couldn't put too much on me, I ended up being a cow. So mm -hmm. I had so much milk coming because I did dedicate to pumping and it was not easy in the beginning to get milk. And it was the hardest thing that I have done in my life thus far. And I'm a mother, a full mother, but mm -hmm. it was not easy for me, especially because I, I was not one that was adamant about it. Right. Like I grew up on Similac. I survived. I mm -hmm. feel like I'm good. Like I was never that person. So, but I did give myself a challenge and I am definitely a competitive person. Mm -hmm. So, the twisted competitive in me is what kept me going. I mean, it got to the point that I was crying in the middle of the night. My husband was like, you don't have to do this. Right. Like, we can go by formula right now. You don't have to do this. And I'm like, F that. This is for the championship. Like, no. <laughs> so, I was adamant. Like, I'm bringing this back to Cleveland. Like, I'm mm -hmm. going to do it. Like, and I did. And it became easy because I pumped. And I had so much milk. It took over our entire home and our whole life. And we had two extra freezers full. Yep. I mean, I would try to get bacon and milk would come flying out the doggone <laughs> fridge. But my child had breast milk for just over six months. Mm -hmm. And I only pumped for three, three and a half. So it um, worked itself out. And, and the reason I say I give kudos to you for that, because as a person who did nurse and then had to go to pumping, pumping was the worst thing that anybody could have ever forced on me. It is. I realize now in hindsight, 
it is definitely a lot more work. Yeah. I thought of it as it was making my life easier because it made my life easier from my mental, my right. personal mental capacity. But the concept of ha just throwing a baby on your boob mm -hmm. is definitely easier. Like I had to feed her and then pump. So it was right. double the trouble. So you're feeding this kid every three hours and you're still pumping every three hours. Mm -hmm. So I'm feeding her, calming her down just to pump. That leaking thing was, I was over it. <laughs> and, um, I felt like my milk kept coming in faster because I was using a machine. So it had no concept of a baby right. and the fullness or not fullness. So it was just constantly mm -hmm. um, there. So, you know, it is, it's a lot of work. But again, I, motherhood is the new slavery. Like, it's just. <laughs> I, I'm legit using that on Instagram today. Like once I accepted that. I was like, it is what it is. Like, that is exactly what it is. I have been colonized by this baby girl, and <laughs> I, it's it. And right. for life. And so that's, I just had to accept that and the work that put in it. And because of my own craziness, I committed to putting in that extra work. Right. And it worked for me. Um, but again, I have no judgment. I always laugh and tease that I'm going to write a book on this for the non, it's going to be called basically for the non care bears and unicorns mom because i went through a phase of feeling bad like why isn't these things kicked in like all these other people i'm talking to are like oh my god as soon as i saw my baby i forgot life before like my no, child will be not, two no. next week mm -mm. she'll be two next week i see her every day and i still remember how awesome my life was prior to having Correct. her yes so i mean it was almost too awesome which is how i got her so <laughs> Um, you know, I used to judge myself on those things and I'm very secure in it now, but I, I talk to people or I tell my story because I want you to know that you probably are not crazier than me. Right. So, I mean, I even had somebody ask me, did I think I was postpartum? And I'm like, I don't like want to hurt myself or my kid. Right. I just don't want to put her on my areolas. Like mm -hmm. what the hell? Like I just, that's gross. They crack. Like what? Like, haven't you taken enough? Right. I mean, and it's interesting you say that. Like, there, somebody sent me an article not too long ago, and I don't think I forwarded it, but it was basically about a mom who had these kids. She loves her children. I, and, and I feel the same way she did in this article, but the premise is she would never give her kids back for anything. But if she could go back and not have them, she probably wouldn't have them. And I wouldn't go as far as to say I would not have my kids, but there are days where I'm literally like, I miss the old me in my old life. Like, I miss being able to sleep. I miss being able to eat when I want. I miss the financial aspect. Like, there are a lot of things. Like, my kids get on my nerves a lot. And there are days where I really feel guilty. I'm like, dang, I really shouldn't be like, get out my fucking face. And I don't say that to them, but that's what I want to say. And I'll be like, go sit down. Get off of me. Get, like, I just don't. So, it's interesting that there are a lot of closeted moms who feel that way and don't feel comfortable. Like they feel like somebody's going to judge them because well, they like, no, I don't want my kids. No, God damn it. I had a life before you and I need my life to still be mine. Because I think historically really big in the black community, but in the community, in the world period, because we still exercise this. Women are defined by certain things. And those things are usually 
and historically marriage and children. Right. It was almost the concept of like I have two degrees. I graduated with my master's with a 3.95 GPA. I got one A minus that pissed me all the way off while working a full time job about 50 plus hours a week and going to Mm -hmm. grad school. And my mother praised me for getting engaged. Yeah. Like, that was an accomplishment. Girl, that's not an accomplishment. Like, what? He won, not me. Right. But at the end of the day, we still are judged. Women in general are judged by these things. So knowing that society judge you by these things, if you are not glorifying these things, then something must be wrong with you Mm -hmm. because the rest of the world dictates that that's what you're judged by. Right. And so, and then take that further, especially in the black community. So it's a very... um interesting dynamic my mm-hmm. grandmother cried when i told her i was pregnant i thought because i wasn't pregnant i was not married <laughs> That's why she crying. told me because every year i kept getting older and i didn't say anything about having a baby and she was scared i couldn't have a baby well what if i never had a baby right does that make me less of a woman mm-hmm. and that is where you know i really 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 wanted a boy and i cried for two weeks when i found out i was having a girl but in hindsight I know that I hope to instill in my girl a lot of the opposites of what I learned when it comes to womanhood and what that means and the expectation of that. We tell our girls, my mother told me all the time I could be anything I wanted to be, but I better be a mother and a wife. Right. Like, I probably could have been the president and she still would have been like, but you don't have any <laughs> But you kids. don't have no man or no baby. Like, what is wrong with you? Mm-hmm. And that is a bit insane. And, I mean, we are going, we got a little off topic, but I, no. I say that to say that this process, like, being pregnant, pregnant especially, was the most invasive experience of my life. I had strangers talking to me about my boobs. I had mm-hmm. strangers talking to me about my vagina. I had strangers <laughs> on the street talking about, well, you're gonna breastfeed, right? Girl, I don't know you. You are in aisle three right. at the market. I had people telling me about what I should and should not be doing when I barely know you and you feel that you can because you see I have a belly. It mm-hmm. is the most invasive process and people very much feel like they have the authority to come to you just because they you're do. pregnant they that do. is insane i've never told a man what he should do with his prostate i've <laughs> never walked up to a strange man and said do you make sure that you clean around the tip of your penis because you can give a woman an infection they don't uh, that will never happen mm-hmm. and i also realized because women can have children we are superheroes yeah like we Wakanda forever like we are absolutely the Dora Milaje just because you can have a doggone baby because that is insane like the whole process of that is insane and no matter how much technological medical advances we have the process of having and creating a baby is whether you want to call it spiritual organic mother nature Buddha whomever it has nothing to do with man because there is a process that Technology can't, can't help. Fix, yeah. Like well, my no. doctor observed my pregnancy Correct. for a big p- portion of it. Mm-hmm. There was nothing she could do. If that baby did not become a baby, then there was it's nothing, nothing could she yep. could actually physically do. And that only can happen in a woman. And it's like, wow, on one end, we put all these judgments and requirements and these things on these women and we are the ones that end up feeling bad but on the other hand none of you mofos could be here if it wasn't for somebody's woman Mm -hmm. 
Like, I can't stand Donald Trump, but your ass still came from a vagina. Right. Like, let's be real. But you also want to sit and talk about grabbing them? Like, come Mm -hmm. on. Like, it's insane. And so that's one thing I learned from my pregnancy Mm -hmm. is all the things that I judge myself on or all the things I came down on myself on or all the things I I thought would happen that didn't happen, it is okay. And that has transcended into everything in my life now. Right. Like, even when I'm feeling bad about work or my relationship or whatever it is, it's okay. I had a goddamn baby. <laughs> like, that is my thing. What? I got in a car accident? I had a goddamn baby. Right. Get over it. Like, life. Like, for real. I mean, it, it is truly magical. And I think, like, in in the times where I'm super Oh, wait. Frustrated. Am I not supposed to curse? No. Girl, please. We can um, edit that out. Sorry. We, multiple people curse on here, including me. I'm usually um, PG-13. She is. I will say that. Um, but when I think about how my life has changed, because we talk about, like, I, like while I miss my old life, I miss my old life from a perspective of I probably still wouldn't be doing those things right now. Like, yeah, I may go to a, a more fancy dinners. Or I, may, I may do other stuff, but I'm not like, oh, let me go to the club. Because, like, I'm 35 years old. I still go to the club. I I'm 35 lie. years old. I'm too old. Like, I mean, I, don't I didn't wanna, go to the club. I don't want to be the old bitch in the club. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. Um, I'm going to be the old bitch with a table, but I don't care. Correct. That That is what I will say. I would be the old bitch with a table because I'm not standing in nobody's line. But... How is your, how different is your life than what you expected? Like for me, I don't know that I expected. And that's part of the reason why I started Shit Shower Shave is there are so many, in your words, proactive decisions we make for the uh, the people around us, being a wife, a mother, an employee, um, somebody who's chasing dreams. How different is that? in your life than what you thought it would be and is it what you would want it to be? I'm not where I would want to be, but um, I've accepted where I am. So I don't know how different it is anymore mm-hmm. because I've accepted the, the space that I'm in and I know where I'm trying to go. So I'm just trying to get there and not mm-hmm. worry about what I did not do. My, my daughter is everything, but she's also changed everything. And she sucks the life out of everything. (laughs) And she sucks everything that I have. And I understand now that that is her role. And now, you know, to a certain extent, my life is over. And I, let me, I don't mean that from the perspective that you can't have a life. You definitely should have a life as a mother because you can't be your best, the best Mm -hmm. mother if you're not your best self. But what I mean by my life is over is I grew up an only child and I have selfish tendencies and I do not feel ashamed about it. And I hope that my child has it because she probably won't have any siblings. Right. I am not selfish in the sense of I was raised around enough people to know how to be selfless. Right. But I also had this beauty of once I got older, I knew myself. I knew mm-hmm. how to handle myself. I knew what I did not want to accept anymore. I knew how many frogs I kissed so I could identify frogs. Like, right. that's selfish. Mm-hmm. Now I can never be that again. Mm-hmm. And some of that I do miss. But even in my quote-unquote selfish, it's selfish for Ian. Right. Like, if I'm going to be selfish about something, it's because of her. Mm-hmm. Like, I no longer have just me anymore. And that... That is 
still for me a hard pill to swallow. Mm -hmm. It's one that I've accepted because that's what it's going to be. Like right. my child is everything and she's going to be everything. And I have no room for less than. Like if she is a loser, she paying me back everything <laughs> that I've ever instilled in her. Time, energy, money, right. everything. Like you want to be a crackhead, that's after you pay this debt. Like that is your business, but that's after you pay me back. Because mm -hmm. you have definitely put a pause on other things in my life. Right. And everything I do is now, what would she think of me? Mm -hmm. So it's definitely different. And I could not, I, that's why I said I've just accepted the difference. Because prior to having her, I don't care how much I thought I knew. I could not have imagined how much of me is about her until I actually had her. Right. And so now any decision I make with her mm -hmm. father or not, it still revolves around that child. Right. And it will always be for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. So knowing that, I um, I just accept it. Mm -hmm. I don't always like it, <laughs> but I just accept it. Right. And so that's why I don't, I can't even remember different. Like I can't even remember what it was before. Mm -hmm. Now my goals just incorporate her. Right. I want to start a business because I want my child to know she does not have to work for anybody. Mm -hmm. Before, I probably wanted to start a business because I got tired of working for people. <laughs> right. But now the narrative is different. Mm -hmm. The goal is still there. The same. It's just the narrative changes. Um, how do you... So I know I always struggle with balance in my household. So <laughs> like on my... on the it, it was all a fail episode. I referenced like leaving a diaper in my bathroom and waiting to see how long Shay would pick it up. Like, I'm like, I'm gonna leave it here and wait and see how long it takes for him to pick it up. So we were, somebody, we were around some people talking about that episode and he was like, well, while she was over here testing me, I was over here testing her. Like, how long this girl gonna let this diaper sit in here? Like, this is just trifling. That's nice. And what I said was, hey, I'm sure that's probably why, but either way, I was like, but I don't shit in there every day. You do. I don't have the luxury of shitting by myself multiple times a day and taking a shower by myself. But it's interesting how in his mind and in his expectation, I'm the person who has to clean up. And so we had to really sit down and have a real conversation. I was like, I'm not cl cleaning this house, raising these kids or working by myself. I don't stay at home. I'm not nobody stay at home mama. So the same way you get up and go to work every day, I get up and go to work every day. The same way you got to get ready, I got to get ready. So we had a very real conversation. And I remember in the conversation, he was like, well, you just got to let me know when you need me to pick them up. And I was like, no, 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 no. I should not have to tell you when I need you to pick them up. I was like, because I feel like I am burdening you to ask you to do it. And I was like, that's not a feeling that's comfortable to me. I shouldn't feel uncomfortable being like, hey, can you come pick up your kids? Because on the other hand, you'd be like, I don't have to babysit my kids. They're my kids. Good. Because so you can just come pick their ass up from daycare and I can go to happy hour. Because I don't think of doing anything for myself after work because I'm like, oop, I can't, I can't be leave here after six because I got to go with these kids. So we had to have a very heart-to-heart -heart conversation about that. And it was very eye-opening to him. Like he tells a joke. He just got a promotion. I don't even know if I told you this. He got a promotion. The day he got his promotion, like I had made dinner the day before, I did everything, he was driving home. He was like, oh, you already made dinner from the other day, so you don't need to make dinner. I said, oh, and I'm not putting nobody's kids to bed. Like, I was like, nah, bro, it's your turn today. And he laughed. We went out for wings that night, and he was like, you know, I. he feels great that he has a wife who is that, like, 
not somebody who's going to roll over and just take anything. But it's interesting how you were like, we're ingrained to be wives and mothers. I think they are ingrained to have people take care of them and take care of kids versus we in this together. Like well, I don't even know if it's their ingrained to do that. We just have very little expectations for men, <laughs> especially in the black community, I would say. We have very little expectations for our men in the sense of when we're raising them family-wise. Mm-hmm. I'll say that. And it's a contradictor. It's, it's very contradictory. And I'll use my aunt as an example. She would kill me for this, but I'm going to use my aunt as an example. <laughs> my cousin is an exceptional. Mm-hmm. My aunt raised him to be an exceptional young man. She had two girls and one boy, and she said, I am going to make you the man that I wish, you know, I had, mm-hmm. right? Because every woman thinks, that's why I want a son. I'm going to make the right. great black man. My cousin went to MIT. He was smart as a whip. Got a full surprise scholarship to MIT. This mm-hmm. is a black boy growing up in Detroit through the Detroit public school system. Mm-hmm. Got to MIT. Had everybody loving him. Found him a girlfriend. She was still black. Right. Um, she was European black, but she was black. <laughs> My aunt couldn't stand it. Then he wanted to go off on his own. She wanted him at home. Then he wanted... All the things you trained him to do, you started to pull back on. Because you... It's like this catch-22. That's why I say we have low expectations. You wanted him to be great, but then you wanted him great in your bubble. You got mad when he didn't want to come back to Michigan. You mad that he got this woman. He got a wife, and she still was like, I don't... Like, you too young. Like, that's his wife. Mm -hmm. Like, we do that. In my family, there is 11 grandchildren. I'm the oldest of 11. We had four boys. Mm -hmm. We expected very little from them damn boys in hindsight. Mm -hmm. We want them to be good men, but my cousin had a court date. Everybody was trying to call to see who can go to court with him. He's 29 years old. What do you mean? When I had to go to goddamn court at 16, nobody (laughs) nobody came with me. But you you can figure it out. But that's that's the narrative for most women. Mm-hmm. It's put on you to do everything. My husband is a great help mate. He is yes. an awesome super assistant. <laughs> he said out of his own mouth one time, well, I mean, you act like I have more than one kid. This is my first child. What other kids do I have, sir? <laughs> like, you expect me to know certain things that you do not hold yourself accountable to know. Right. You tell me that I didn't tell you to do something for our child that why do I I had to figure out to do it myself. Mm -hmm. You go into the doctor's office, super daddy, you want to hold her. It's okay, baby. It's this, that. But you don't know a shot that she needs. You ain't never made a doctor's appointment. You don't even know who her health insurance is under because you don't know who your health insurance is (laughs) under. You don't know any of these things. But And what I found is we allow that. Correct. We allow it all the time because, one, for me – um. Used to be an executive, used to being mm-hmm. not so much in time management. I work in sales, so everything is fast-paced. It takes me longer to explain it to you. Correct. It takes me longer yes. to have the conversation. So I started to just do it myself. I had to check myself mm-hmm. because that is me having low expectations of a man that runs his own company and has multiple degrees, went to Ivy League school. Like, what are you talking about? But do you think some of that is also because we – so I will say for me – I, until I had that conversation less than a month ago, I think I operated in my life as I'm supposed to make your life easier. No, my, I didn't do that. Like, and, I, and I had to stop it. I was like, I'm sacrificing myself 
for this. And it's not that I can't all I can't make your life easier, but like this is a balance. This is a partnership. I didn't try to make his life easier. I just wanted my child to survive. And I didn't trust. <laughs> I did not trust him by himself. I was like, I'm banged up, but I feel like he's still worse. <laughs> so I was like, what? I mean, she was a newborn. He was going to change her diaper. He's screaming my name. So I'm like, obviously her vagina fell off. <laughs> he's holding my child in the air talking about she's peeing. What the hell am I supposed to do about that? Like what? Well, what? She's just peeing everywhere. Well, because you're holding her up. Right. I do you want me to put my hands under it? Like, mm-hmm. how do I make stop, baby? Stop peeing. <laughs> like, what do you want me to do? But I, I realized, and so I was like, you know what? It's the blind leading the blind, but I got one eye, he got no eye. <laughs> like, that was how I thought of it. I never thought to make his life easier, per se. Mm-hmm. Now, I will say that we have two children in the sense that he runs his own company, and that is an animal in itself. Yeah. And the conversation we had to have is, I work a full-time job, and you work a full-time job. And then I come home and play mother. All Not play, because I am a mother, but have to do the <laughs> yeah. role of. You are not going to make it that your job take precedence all the time. Mm-hmm. You do run your own company, and I think that is amazing. And I want my child to see that, right? right. He's he, it's, it's phenomenal that you're mm-hmm. doing well. You have a staff. That's amazing. But... At the same time, it is you can't come home every night at 8 o'clock. Like, my right. child don't go to sleep at normal toddler hours because she probably wouldn't see her daddy. And, hell, she don't get home to damn near 7 because right. I'm in New York. I'm on the train. I got to get mm-hmm. from the train to pick her up. Then we have the time walking in the cold-ass snow to get home. Right. Or it, it's a lot. Like, New York City in itself is my third child. Mm-hmm. We got one that's iron. We got his business. And then we got a New York City. It's mm-hmm. a lot. And so... Unfortunately, it went unsaid that he expected that. Correct. And I think he, in his mind, he does a bigger role than he does. And I don't discredit it because there are some people that can't even find their husbands. Correct. But I also don't give you credit for getting good grades because you're supposed to get good grades. Yep. Like, I'm not rewarding you for getting an A because mm-hmm. you're supposed to get an A. You get all A's, you get rewarded because you got this one A in gym. Don't, you don't get a reward. You you're don't not get no about cookie. to sit here and, and get praised. Right. And so that is where I had to come to a happy medium with him. It's just be like, look, at the end of the day, you we in this, like you said, together. Together. And your job, you can't act like, well, I didn't say I was coming home early. Early can't be 7 o'clock, sir. Mm-hmm. Or your late night can't be 11. So right. you think if you come anytime between 8, 15... You, that's normal. Like, mm-hmm. like, no, that can't work. Of course you come home and throw her up in the air two times. I don't already washed her, bathed her, yeah. fed her. All. Like, come on. And our conversation really was about how I felt. Like, I was like, and, and his thing was like, you need to communicate. Like, I'm not always that, but if you don't tell me, and I was like, I should not have to tell yeah. you. Like, I shouldn't have to tell you, oh, you woke up before me. Can you go give them breakfast? And so now, uh, as a positive of my communication, because I was really upset, like it was really stressing me. And so as a result of our conversation, it is, I've seen a drastic change. Like if I'm asleep, he'll be like, let mommy sleep. Let's go downstairs and get something to eat. And I think part of that was for so long, shit, for three years, I was like, no, I'm, I felt, I, I literally felt bad. Like I was like, I'm oh, inconveniencing no. your sleep. I'm inconveniencing work. I've been mm-hmm. all these things. And I was like, I can't live. Like, I it got to a point. I was like, I cannot live like this anymore. Well, if y'all don't work out, can I get that old Jennifer? I'll marry her. It's legal. 
Cause I didn't, I've never, I've never gone in it consciously saying I'm going to make his life easier. I think that my behavior has made his life easier, but I never consciously thought that I would feel bad on certain things that it was in isolation of him. Like Mm -hmm. I felt bad that I feel like our nanny spends more time than my, with my child than I do. I mean, that's a, that's a, I feel like my daycare spends more time with my kids. Like, I I feel bad at that. I feel bad that she knows my nanny's family and don't know mine. Mm -hmm. I feel bad that, and these are all circumstances that I've told myself, it's also the circumstances you're in. But I do feel bad for certain things. I know my coworkers' kids are doing all these stimulating activities during the week. My child goes to Lord and Taylor and (laughs) she knows what a sales rack is. And, and so there are certain things that I definitely feel bad about, but I also, just like I do with my business, I continue to reevaluate as time Mm -hmm. goes and figure out ways to, to make those changes or try to figure out a way to, to at least incorporate some of the aspects Mm -hmm. I want in the life that I have right now. Until right. something else changes, but it's a it's a hard thing. Like we are city living, and city yeah. living is tough. And you know, like I said, I got three kids, mm-hmm. and hell, four if you count my husband. And <laughs> they count because everybody on shit shower shade believes their husband's also one of their children. Yeah, and it's a lot. It's mm-hmm. a lot of juggling when I've never taken a juggling class, right? And I never wanted to be in the circus. <laughs> like I didn't, <laughs> I didn't audition for this. Right. I mean, and I think that it's one of those things is, like you said, you're constantly reevaluating that situation. I think whether it's your relationship or your job or your kids, I think reevaluating consistently is like the most important thing. Like whether it's what you have your kids involved in, your personal life, because I will I will 100 percent have to reevaluate that all the time. I'm like, no, I ain't been out nowhere with somebody that's not in my household in three months. That's got to change. Like we went to the movies to see Black Panther and realized the last time we went to the movies was March of 2017. Yeah. And I will say I'm a little envious of you in the situation that you have. You guys do a lot mm-hmm. more social activity. You mm-hmm. you and you guys go we, out we, and we do are. a lot more social activity than we do, but I don't have family in Correct. the city that I, I live have a in. lot of support and I will never ever discount that. I don't have any family in New York. Mm-hmm. And we have all of maybe two people that can watch her in the city outside of our nanny that we met because she was interviewed and we hired her. Right. And um, both of them them are single. So, mm-hmm. yeah, getting that together. So that is tough, too. And so, um, you know, you talking about three months. Hell, if I can get a date every three right. months, I will probably do backflips. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a very... Um, it's hard. And I tell my husband all the time, like, this is hard. Yeah. And, you know, we we have to find balance. We haven't done it yet. At some point, I'm hoping we do. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping as she gets older, it'll help to be, it, get it, more balance. I think that it does. Um, but it's very difficult when you don't have a support system. Mm-hmm. And that's un- something that think about before you have a kid that never crossed my mind so much. Cause again, I didn't plan it, but, um, <laughs> you know, think about your village and not your village. And I had a lot of village to consult with, talk to run ideas about, but I don't have a village to say, I need to go to the grocery store and I mm-hmm. don't want to take her. Or I don't have a village to say, I just need a minute or I'm running late from work. Who the hell is going to get my kid? Her dad's not answering the phone. Right. And I have nobody else to call. Like mm-hmm. that is not easy. 
And I don't wish that honestly on anyone. Mm-hmm. And so that is definitely something to consider if you're talking about having a kid or figuring your family life or or whatever it's going to be. Um, put that out there to yourself because, you know, my husband and I got married after we had a kid because we got knocked up and <laughs> we did the opposite. We got the parent thing down mm-hmm. and then became the married couple but we had already been together a long time. Like we had already been together longer than some people that I knew had met and got married. Yeah. Me. So, <laughs> Shit, me. But so I um you know, and we got together older. Like mm-hmm. we got together when I was 30. So we're talking 30 to 37, not 20 to 27. Mm-hmm. So we were very we weren't super grown like we are now, but we were very much older and more mature than if right. we were younger. So in his mind, he always says, we already knew, we already married, but we weren't. Mm-hmm. But I, in the same sense, I always tell him, we, di- we don't have the opportunity to be a married couple. Yeah, it is very hard. Like, we don't date, we don't go out, we don't do any of those things because it's we can't. Like, we right. go to dinner with a baby. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not sexy. My child is cute, but definitely not sexy. <laughs> Like, I don't look at your daddy and be like, ooh, and he's holding my baby. Like, that's not, it's not hot. Right. And so, you know, all of these things people don't talk about. Like, my mother is always like, when are you having more? When are you having more? And I'm like, when can you watch this one? Right. When are you coming to New York? Mm-hmm. You want to, she want to kidnap her and take her to Michigan. That's not realistic. But you don't like New York, so you're not going to come to New York. But you mm-hmm. want me to pop out more babies? Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. I'm barely holding on now. Mm-hmm. Barely. I think that everything you said is very good advice to anybody thinking about having a kid, people with kids, all those things. So thank you for coming on and sharing your to date mom like journey and experience mom and and you're not so the one thing that i will say is i think you think that you are but you are more like every other mother than you give yourself credit for but well, they don't talk about it because they all be Correct. like it's great because i mean i'll be the first day i hate my kids and my kids are assholes some days um, yeah no people say that in a joking manner no i'm serious no but i'm saying people <laughs> like throw that out as a joking manner but like i have had people look at me with 18 heads when I first had a baby. And I was like, yeah, I felt bullied when they tried to put her on my boobs. And they were looking at me like, oh, my God, that's the duty of a mama. And I'm like, the duty of me was getting her ass here. Like, she's here. Right. At the end of the day. They would not make Similac if it was. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but thank you for sharing your journey. I'm Thanks, sure we will guys. hear you on here more than just now. Um, as a reminder to all of you listeners, if you are a mom or a friend of a mom or want to take your mama, come on the trip. Yes, I will be there. Latricia will be there. Mom April will be there. Um, mom Rachel won't be because she just had her baby, so she wants to spend her Mother's Day with her baby. But there will definitely be us along with other women time to relax. You don't have to be called mama. Ain't nobody going to say your name that's going to ask you for something. Come, relax, enjoy. Bring your friends. Rates are economical. You can put a deposit down. You have till April 11th to pay. If you need information, go to the Shit Shower Shave website. Definitely follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Go to the website. And that's it for this week. Did you have something else? 
No, I was going to say, make sure you come on a trip. It'll be all women so you will not find yourself knocked up like I did. <laughs> so it's safe. It's baby proof. Absolutely. I will talk to y'all soon.